Hi, this is Shannon Wilson, and you're listening to Pop Culture Addicts. Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts, the weekly show that brings you interviews and discussions with people in our pop culture world. You know, that means we get to talk more about movies, more music, more video games, and more. <laughs> Don't miss a week. You never know who's going to be our next guest. So, okay, addicts, are you ready for your pop culture fix? All right, well, our guest today is Shannon Wilson. Shannon is an actress, singer, and author that I got to meet through another show I do called Focused on Forward. I talked with Shannon about a book that she wrote called The Littlest Peanut, which is about her experiences with her children in the NICU when they were small and the inspiration that came behind writing that book. If you haven't checked out or haven't heard that episode on Focused on Forward, go listen to that. Check out her book, The Littlest Peanut, and that kind of will help you understand maybe some of the things that we'll talk about today. But if you know somebody who's gone through a NICU experience uh, and they're looking for something to share with their children about that experience, please go get The Littlest Peanut. It's a beautiful book and wonderful for that, for that setting. But another reason why we're having Shannon here today is that recently she's been part of a Netflix miniseries called Halston, where she co-starred with Ewan McGregor, Bill Pullman, Rory Culkin, and a few others that are, are notable. Now, for which uh, Ewan has been nominated and I believe won an Emmy for that, for that show. So Shannon, thank you for coming here today. Thank you for being here. And I'm so excited to have a moment to catch up with you. I know. Thank you so much. That was such a nice introduction, Tim. And you were so supportive of my book. And we have a lot of, we have uh, some bonding experiences that we probably would rather not have together. But <laughs> <laughs> Understood. And yes, I agree. <laughs> uh, but we do. Um, so here we are. But yes, it was, yes, I was in Halston and it was so cool to see Ewan McGregor win Best Actor because he's well-deserving. He was fantastic in it. Yes. And just, just an overall nice person. Yes, absolutely. So let's let's talk about Halston for a moment. Now, that's the the Netflix miniseries, as we mentioned. It's about the the famed fashion designer who passed away uh, in 1990. But if you would tell us about how this all came about, uh, what was it like to work with Obi Wan and President Whitmore? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in this was right before COVID. I was in Costa Rica with my family, and I got an audition, and uh, so I came in that next day from, from vacation and, and read for a different part and didn't hear anything back. So that as per per usual, right? A lot of times in auditions, it's like radio silent. And then about a month later, they call my manager, Georgianne from CPM Talent calls and says, they would actually like to offer you the part of Bobby Mahoney, the wife of Bill Pullman, his character. And I'm like, what? Oh, I love Bill Pullman. <laughs> and so uh, she's like, it's just two words. Um, it's like a featured co-star. Are you okay with that? And I said, yeah, no words, but meet Bill Pullman. Absolutely. So I ended up getting to go in and work the day before we shut down for COVID. And oh, I was wow. very intimidated. And then the part ended up being much bigger than what it was supposed to be. So I was very grateful for that. Yeah. No, it was actually really cool. Um, I was watching it and... And uh, I think it was my son. I was like, what's this? I said, oh, it's a show called Halston. It's about a, a fashion designer. Now, if you know me, uh, that's not typically something I would watch. I'm not, I'm not much, you know, my fashion sense is, is, is uh, blue jeans and a t-shirt. That's, that's my everyday fashion. You know, so for me, I'm like, mm, okay, fashion. Um, 
so he's like, why are you watching this? I said, well, I, I, I you were actually walking onto camera. I think it was your first uh, appearance there. And I'm like, well, that lady right there, I, I've interviewed her on Focused on Forward, and she's going to be on Pop Culture Addicts as well. I said, so I'm watching this to get to know her show. And then he saw Bill Pullman. He's like, I know that guy. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> That's another reason. <laughs> I'm like, just wait. I said, just wait till Obi-Wan makes it on the screen. <laughs> yes, because he'll be walking in soon. That slow-mo walking into the airport. I was just supposed mm -hmm. to be on the airplane. It was just supposed to be me <clears throat> sitting next to Bill Pullman. <clears throat> Excuse me. Krista Rodriguez, who plays Liza Minnelli in such a phenomenal way, tells yeah. me this whole story. And all I, my two words were, that's amazing. That's all I had to say. And then they added the every, everything else later. So to walk in, I've rewound it and watched it because I love slow-mo walks anyway, like mm -hmm. so Hollywood. So to turn that corner and build Pullman's, Pullman's arm and then every, you know, the whole scene, pretty cool with them with that song too. Yeah, it was pretty cool. You guys, you guys turned that corner. You guys were owning, owning the airport at that moment. Yes, we were owning the Brooklyn Library, which was, that was filmed in. <laughs> Fantastic. So cool oh my goodness. I, sorry, you said walking in arm in arm with Bill Pullman, and I'm just like, I would forget how to walk. <laughs> I know. And he's so sweet and so gentle. And th the other actors were Broadway stars. I mean, they were on Broadway. So I was just felt so weighted over my head. And the director's really, he directed Deadwood, which I love, mm -hmm. a Game okay. of Thrones episode. I mean, he's been around for a long time, even though he looks super young. And Dan Menahan is his name. So I was just so scared and worried. And then everybody was just very nice. So that, that's, yeah. I couldn't imagine walking into a scene like that. And I've never had anybody be mean, but I don't even know if anybody is. I think that's just like old Hollywood or like Joan Crawford right. or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness so i was reading your bio on your website to get to know you better before the interview today and i immediately felt connected to you when your bio mentioned your love of british humor because oh. i am also a big fan of british humor i actually i love doctor who like doctor who is one of my favorite shows but mm -hmm. also keeping up appearances is like that will always have a special place in my heart with as incredibly obnoxious as Hyacinth Bouquet is, it is so much fun to watch. So I, I have to watch that. Oh my goodness. It is so funny. It is so funny. But I was wondering what your favorite British shows are, since you have that love of British humor. Mine go way back from my father. He introduced me to Monty Python. And I remember watching, I mean, you could never make this show now. It's probably, it's so offensive. But Benny Hill. We used to <laughs> oh, yeah. We used to watch that when we were kids and because um, that was on just regular television. So I just love their sense of humor, their dark sense of humor about death and torture. And like, you know, it's kind of Princess Bride also. Yeah. And yeah. it's just funny. And it's making, I, you know, you're just finding humorous things out of, out of situations that are not funny whatsoever. And you either get that or you don't. And right. I, yeah. Fortunately, we get it. Right. Yeah. I've, I love I've, Monty Python. I've always loved it when, when people take the, the Benny Hill uh, sound, the, the theme song yes. and put it to, to, you know, videos of people bumbling things up or making mistakes and they're trying to fix something and everything's falling apart around them. And that music to me will always be the, the pinnacle of, of, of funny and stupidity all kind of rolled up into one. Yes. You know, just 
I actually have a video like that that I've put the Benny Hill theme over and it's just my dog and a puppy playing and they are <laughs> just ridiculous and knocking things over and running into things and there you go. The puppy at one point trips over <laughs> the puppy at one point trips over her front legs and does a somersault and it's like you're just puppies are so much fun. <laughs> They are, especially to that music. And yeah. I mean, a fish called Wanda, the dog, speaking of dogs, like they just, that poor woman kept, her dogs kept getting killed, you know, one by one in a fish called Wanda. Like that's so British humor, right? It is. And, <laughs> and I've shown that to my kids. I've shown them all of these movies and they were quite young. And they were, you know, my daughter's like, I don't know if this is funny. And then she slowly, as she, I'm like, maybe I'm introducing this to you too young, but um, they like it too. Good. I remember sitting my children down and I wanted them to, to watch some Monty Python with me. And so I said, well, we'll start with the movies. because I didn't know if they'd get the, the, the series all that well, if they'd get the humor of it. Mm -hmm. um, but I sat them down to watch and I, uh, it was life of Brian. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, they'll, they'll get the humor out of this. This, 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 this is going to be funny. Yeah. They were bored out of their minds. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this is hilarious. Why aren't you laughing? Like the women are dressed up like men and they're sneaking in to watch a stoning. It's hilarious. And exactly. Yeah, there's so many things about that movie that I find just he's not the messiah. <laughs> I cannot wait until my daughter is old enough to understand that stuff. She's oh, gonna love it. Daughter. She will be three on Friday. Oh, that's a cute age. It is. It is. It's a fun age. We're just currently into like the dinosaur obsession and I'm I'm ready to move into the Let's let's get to the, the fun stuff. I mean, dinosaurs are yeah. fun. They are fun. My my little cousin was obsessed with Barney, and they rented Barney one time, and she had a complete meltdown, like full on attack, because it was just too much for her little brain to see <laughs> Barney in person. Oh goodness. <laughs> yeah. So I've heard that happen before with other kids too. Yeah, like there's a the Netflix show Camp Cretaceous, which is like the kids version of Jurassic Park, and she oh. adores it. She loves it, and I'm like. So we can watch Jurassic Park, right? And my husband's like, no. It's a little violent. <laughs> we can't watch Jurassic Park with a three-year-old yet. I'm like, but, but why yeah, but, not? He's but, like, the goat? Yeah, the goat. <laughs> the children <laughs> that are like, yeah, the children are, you know, almost dying in the backseat with dinosaurs. Right? He's like, do you really want her to see the scared dinosaur, the scared children? I'm like, no, but I want to watch Jurassic Park. <laughs> So like, well, been... You're like, well, now that you put it that way, no. Right. I, I don't really want to her. Like, this is also the kid who sat through Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit with us. I don't really think she'll be that scared. But it kid. is also kids, not that's imaginary true. creatures. So right. We tried to oh, show our kids kindergarten cop, and I forgot that the gun gets held to the child's head at the end of the. It's a big. It's an '80s movie, so ever there's always a gun. There's always like right. a woman getting slapped. It's like always really horrible things that we watched, and it didn't phase us for some reason, or our parents that we were watching it. <laughs> so I try to show right. my kids these films, and you're like, oh my gosh, Adventures in Babysitting is so violent, and you just I don't know why it was a different time. I guess I mean just there's have a remote on. That there have been a couple of things that I've watched as an adult that I'm like, to my mom, why did you let me watch this? Like, I remember growing up watching how? the TV show All in the Family with my dad. Oh, you know, and we you, now there's not a there's not an Ice Cube's chance in Arizona that that thing would ever, you know, make it past pilot or even to a pilot. 
you know, with yeah. the way that that show was written. It's just, it's again, a different time, a different level of acceptance of what was okay, what wasn't, you know, things along those lines. And you start realizing as you get older that you're like, I can't believe we watched that or anybody yeah. watched that. But, that. but Norman Lear is also educating it at the same time. Like he was talking about things that nobody talked about in all mm -hmm. the family and the Jeffersons and um, yeah. they, remade that. they remade that, I think, didn't they? Just recently. Oh, Marissa Tomei played. Um, I'm not sure. The wife, yeah, they had it on TV. Okay. Jimmy Kimmel helped produce it. Mm -hmm. cool. oh, and okay. Norman Lear was a part of it also. Nor Marissa Tomei uh, played the, I forget her name. Oh my gosh, from All in the Family, the wife. Hmm. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, cool. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, Shannon, because we didn't, we, when you and I talked the first time, we just kind of like glossed over this topic because we were talking about other things and that wasn't, this wasn't really the purpose of you coming on Focused on Forward. So today I want to ask you a little bit about your original music. So you have some original music out there and that people may not know it, but you're kind of a triple threat. You know, you're, you're an actress, you're an author, you're a singer, you got a lot of cool stuff going on. So I, I would love it if you would tell me, tell your audience uh, a little bit about your, your music. Obviously, where can they find it? But also, who would you most compare your music to, your style of music to, and who are your influences? Well, um, I'm pretty shy about my music, actually, but I do love um, to sing and write songs, and it's something I've always loved doing. And I picked up guitar a little bit later, and Nancy Griffith was a huge influence, and Lou Harris, Dolly Parton. She's such an amazing songwriter. Yeah. And I was just always fascinated by stories in songs, you know, obviously Bob Dylan. Mm -hmm. And uh, I found out this man that lives around, well, it's a guy, well, his name's Jim Heffernan. He was a Nashville studio musician. He lived around the corner from me in Haddon Heights. And he worked with Joe Diffie and Brad Paisley, and worked with so many artists. And he has a recording studio. So someone introduced me to him about four or five years ago. And I went in and recorded with him. And that was when I, I made my first song. Um, and I've worked with him ever since. And so... I don't know. Some of my songs are kind of folksy. They have a little bit of a country rock to them. Across the Plains is about the Great Dust Bowl in Oklahoma, because that's where my family's from. Okay. So it's just, you know, different little stories, and it, it makes me happy. And you can hear it on Spotify. I have, like, a little fan base on Spotify. I get little royalties, like .0012 of a stream <laughs> dollar. <laughs> well, you might get a couple extra, because I did listen to a few of your songs. Uh, you actually have, you have a very nice voice, by the way. Oh, thank you. It's different. Um, it's not trained. Well, you know what? I think some of the best voices are the natural voices, the, the untrained voices. Uh, people who just get up and they present themselves and, and you take their music for, for what it is on face value. Instead of going, oh, you know, listening to the person going, oh, boy, they have such a nice trained voice. I like I like the naturalness, the rawness uh, of your voice and, and, and you. how you sound. Um, so... Yeah, so if you if you see a couple extra pennies come through, that that might be from me. You're welcome. Thank uh, you. I'll put it in the college fund. There you go. Excellent. I'll be I will be proud to have helped the, the Wilson children. So yeah. <laughs> Or the Herkner children, as my husband says. He's like, you know your last name's Herkner. <laughs> well, but for the like, who wants this... to have the last it's Herkner. That's like Herkner. Let's just stick with Wilson. <laughs> easier to pronounce. Yes, easier to spell. Exactly. With a name like last name like Bicycle, I understand. It's, yeah. yeah. 
I get it. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to uh, Shannon's music, go check it out on Spotify. There's some really nice songs there. It's, uh, it's. I like to call it, for me, you know, uh, I call it background music. It's something that I can listen to in the background without getting, you know, overly distracted from what I'm doing, but I can still enjoy the music and enjoy the, the melody and the tone and what's, and what's happening. So um, that when I call something background music, that's, to me, that's a positive. It means that, that it's not distracting. You know, it's it's not distracting me from everything else in my life, but I still get to enjoy the music and do what I'm doing. So uh, that's to me, from me, I like to think that that's a compliment, but Thank I hope you. it comes across that way. It so. does. Also, looking at your work, I saw that you have a movie coming out next year, Revelation, The Unveiling. And I can imagine that working on set is very different with the current public health situation than it was in years past. So do you find, how do you find that those precautions affect people, both cast and crew? And what else can you tell us about the film? Well, Revelation, the, after Halston and some of my other stuff, the director reached out to me and offered me a part in that. So we haven't shot it yet. That'll be shot in September. So oh. it was cool to get an offer for a film and not have to audition. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Happy about that. So, um, and I've spoken to the director. He seems really nice. But I did shoot, we shot Aramango Avenue. That'll be coming out next year. And that stars Hopper Penn and Dylan Penn. Okay. Sean Penn and Robin Wright's children. And then the daughter okay. in the film is Rosanna Arquette's daughter. And that she plays my daughter. So I have a, 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 a part in the film. And we shot that after COVID. So yes, in Halston, four days after COVID, or when COVID hit, we shot that. So it's just wearing masks. It's a little easier now because there's a vaccination. There was a big difference before where there were no vaccine vaccinations. Mm -hmm. You got tested three times a day. Oh, you got wow. tested the day before. You got tested the day after. And you were terrified to get a false positive because I was on set when a couple of people were sent home for, for positives. And they're just, you know, it's not like you're the yeah. star where they're going to shut down production. I mean, they'll, they'll figure it out and you'll just go home. So that was really stressful for actors. And I think... I don't know if every production company's testing or if they just check your vaccination card. But yeah, you kind of have your separate quarters and you have to wear a mask. And it's, it's very, it's different because you really want to be in proc, you know, close proximity with people when you're working with them. And especially in Halston, they separated us. As soon as the scene was done, we had to put masks on. You had your own COVID rep. You, you had your own specific COVID ref that was like right next to you. SNL makes fun of it. And they did their job and they kept everyone safe. So I don't, I don't fault them for it, but they were literally like right with you oh, to wow. make sure you were following protocol. It was, it was, it was different. Hmm. Yeah, I bet. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to process that in my mind, uh, you know, how to, you know, how you're able to do your job, you know, and remember your lines and then have, because that seems to me like that would add a little bit of stress and pressure to the situation of being able to do what they're asking you to do, you know, and, and hit your marks and, and be in the right spot and say the right thing. And yeah, yeah. I think in, when you're rehearsing, you have to keep your mask on and you had a plastic thing over your face. So you're trying to rehearse. Plus, you're also in the back of your mind, like, they're going to come test me in 10 minutes. And I hope to God I don't false, have a false positive. Right. Because I'm going to go home. So there's a, there was very stressful for many of the actors. You know, everybody was really terrified whenever the COVID tester came up, <laughs> as you can imagine. Oh, well, yeah. I'm COVID sure. testing is not pleasant anyway. And then to have it done that many times. 
Yeah. Ugh. At yeah, that especially... risk of losing your job. Yeah. Yeah, three times a day. You know, you know, you think about that. Um, you know, I'm assuming at that point it wasn't even the quick test. They had to be the the full, you know, up the nose. Yeah, you would have to go out. They paid you for it. You get paid to do it. You weren't sad, so you get paid to test. But yeah, they do a rapid, and they did a PCR, and then they did they did different types of tests. Okay. So it was covered. You felt safe. By the time you were on set, you felt very safe. Well, that's good. <laughs> and I, it, it's more lax now. I haven't been back on set since we've had our vaccinations. Um, so I, I, I'm looking forward to that being a little bit better. I'm sure. I'm sure. Okay. Not to have your nose probed so many times. Yes, who likes and the remember the original one was way up to your brain. At least they stopped yeah. doing that. That was horrible. Yeah. My my uh my youngest son had to have that done uh, as he was getting ready to go for, for college. And he had to he called it the brain tickler. Yeah. God. <laughs> I wish it felt like a tickle. It was horrible. Yeah. He uh, he said it was the worst thing he's ever he's like, I've had a lot of things because he's had allergies his whole life and you know, he's had the poke test and, you know, to find out the different allergies mm -hmm. and stuff. And he's like, this was worse than any poke test I've ever had. Yeah, it seems so. So, it's so unnatural to have something all the way up. And it's like, you know, it's all the way up there. Ooh, it was, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's go from something you hated to possibly, hopefully something you loved. Um, now, I wanted to talk to you about your time uh, that you, when you were out in Colorado. Mm -hmm. uh, it, and in your bio on IMDb, it talked about how much you loved going to concerts at Red Rocks. Yep. And that uh, you spent some time as a nighttime DJ playing grunge music during your college years. So since Red Rocks is on my list of places to see a live show at at some point in my life, I, I've seen, you know, like DVDs and, you know, live streams of concerts there. And it's just everybody I and the people who I know who have gone there for concerts say that it's unlike anything you've ever gone to it's just a phenomenal venue for for a show um so I, i'm curious i have to ask as one gen xer to another uh what was your favorite concert at red rocks and who was your favorite grunge era band or song to play as a nighttime dj oh those are great questions um my first concert at Red Rocks was Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill. Ooh. That was oh, how right awesome. when her album came out. And I had just moved to Colorado. So I was like, my head was exploding. Because so I went from Houston, Texas to college in Nacogdoches, Texas. And I had never been to Colorado. So to go out there and just meet all of these cool people and be in this venue was great. And um, so that, I mean, I saw why I saw Fish there. So sure. O'Connor. I saw... Almond Brothers, but Alanis Morissette was just such a great memory. She was just rocking out. And then for DJ, I loved Jane's Addiction. And there was this one guy named Kendall who was super cool. He was the lead singer of the Beef Masters in our college town. Okay. <laughs> the band. And he would always call up and he would request Summertime Rolls, uh, Jane's Addiction from mm -hmm. Nothing Shocking. So yeah. that, that, they're not quite grunge, but I think they're understated Jane's Addiction sometimes. They're mm -hmm. such a fantastic. Mm -hmm. No, they're a great band. Um, yeah, I mean, any of the, I mean, Nirvana is was this awesome, still, still is. But yeah, when I think of when I think of KSA U ninety point one, I did always like playing Jane's Addiction. Excellent. So for you, what was it about Red Rocks that you liked about so about that venue so much? Well, it was it's naturally beautiful, and then you sit back and you see the the Denver skyline off in the distance. 
So right. you can see all of Denver way, you know, far away. And then the acoustics, because they bounce off the rocks. I don't know if you guys have seen um, the U2 under the um, Bullet the Blue Sky or that documentary from U2. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all filmed at Red Rocks. Um, yeah. But yeah, the acoustics just bounce off the mountains, the, the rocks. And the, people used to crawl up, like at fish and stuff. They got in trouble. Fish stopped coming there because too many people, you know, got out of control but they you could climb up on the rocks and, and check out the the venue and one time my husband and i were there for slayer at red rocks our buddy worked for airwalk and he got us backstage passes and we had these passes and my husband and i are like walking backstage at red rocks and somehow we took a weird turn and we ended up like really backstage and this guy goes you you guys over there and he points us to this you know to the right and we go around and we're walking walking and then we're standing there and i'm like oh my god we are looking at the crowd <laughs> wait, wait a minute. We are now on the side of the stage watching Slayer <laughs> at Red Rocks. Oh, so that oh was, wow. Like, yeah, that was a funny situation that we didn't expect to be in. <laughs> we were on the stage at a Slayer concert at Red Rocks. Oh, that's phenomenal. I forgot about that. That, that was probably one of my favorite ones. I like that. That's I a good story. Seeing yeah. Alanis Morissette, though, would be like, that's just... For that she was what? We were 22. Yeah, 23. So she was so young, so angry. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> That's still such a good album. It really is. Yeah. Have you? Did you uh, ever go back and listen to the the acoustic remake that she did of that? Yes, I'm a huge Alanis Morissette fan. That's someone I oh, should. Oh, perfect. Have okay. Yeah, I've, I've seen her in concert quite a few times, and um, the only thing I would say about her in concert is she needs to make more eye contact. She really makes. She just goes from one side of the stage to the other back and forth and sings and she makes no connection with her audience. She did okay. a jagged little pill. I feel like she did, but now I don't know if it's nerves or what that is. And someone just recently saw her and said the same thing. I think she just oh. had trouble looking out at the audience, but she makes no, she just looks up at the, the sky the whole time she sings. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. I actually have friends who just saw her in Flint two weeks ago, oh. last week. Last week, ask if she paced it. Ask if she paced the stage. I will. They also they're con they ended up having to um, middle of the concert. The concert was shut down, and they had to go all into the bathrooms because there was a tornado warning. Oh gosh! In the middle of this outdoor concert, it's like that's always fun. We were at Taylor Swift one time, and a light they had lightning, and they evacuated the entire um, stadium. <laughs> the concessions area is was great. Yeah, nothing like being jam-packed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to do something that I don't usually do, and I am going to divert from music, which is ridiculous. You I love music. Right. I will talk music all day. But Except we actually <laughs> we actually just had an interview. Um, it was our episode we just released about... It was um, with two producer, film producers from Canada called 180 Sisterhood. So it's Trish and Rebecca from there. And they actually had made a short film based on their own experiences of being told that you should smile more. So as a fellow woman, how many times has that happened to you that somebody just comes up to you and does the, you know, you'd be prettier if you smiled. <laughs> that, that, that's funny. I, um, I didn't, I never, honestly, I never got that because I think I smiled a lot anyway, oh. but I think and I'm tall. I'm like 5'10", so I, nobody was ever really coming up and saying anything to me like, like that. I must have been intimidating. But I totally get how annoying that is. I, I would get things like, you look tired. 
you know, like <laughs> look happy or I, so it's under that same vein of somebody mm-hmm. saying something. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it's like, why are you putting something on me that's making you feel better? Right. If, if, if I have a, a serious, because a lot of people have a serious resting face, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you talk to people that do, yeah, when you talk to people that do, they, they will tell you they get told to smile or what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm like, nothing's freaking wrong. I just, it's just my face. Yeah, it's my face. But um, yeah, I, 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 I can't personally attest to that, but I can see how that would be completely annoying. And if that had happened to me, I would have been annoyed. I get the, I get the, you look tired a lot. It's like, I have a three-year-old. Of course I'm tired. It's such an, I can't, it, just tell me I look like S-H-I-T when you say that, by the way. <laughs> right? Or like at the end of my pregnancy when my friends were like, oh, you look so tired. I'm like, really? Like, come over here so I can, yeah, it's, yeah, people like, just, I, I want to hit time. you, but I don't want to get up yeah. because I'm huge. So just come here so I can slap you. <laughs> I thought it was weird when I was pregnant and people would come up randomly and touch my stomach. Oh, that really no. You just think that doesn't happen, but that happened to me quite a bit. That's, so maybe because I thing. was smiling and looked friendly, people felt like they could do that, and that was I didn't like that. It's totally a thing. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. I. I I didn't even touch my my wife's stomach without asking her if that was okay. Can, you know, hey, can I touch your belly? Because yeah. you know, I, I wanted to feel my child in, in her belly. You know, our child in her belly, and just. Right. I I don't even know how. That hurts my brain. People it, think it, because there's a baby that babies are free game, and that's no. Oh, look how cute! Oh, you're so cute. And they would touch your stomach. It happened quite a few times to me. One time in New York City, and I was just like, "That is so weird to do that to somebody." I, I, yeah, you're you're kind of taken aback, and you're out of you're kind of shocked. Right, and you wouldn't go up to somebody who has like a six pack and start touching their six pack because you want to feel the way their muscles feel. It's like it's. Yeah, we may want to, but we're not going to do that. Just because I'm growing another person does not mean that you get to touch it. <laughs> I, don't know, I feel like if I came out to Brad Pitt, I mean, if I ever encountered Brad Pitt, I probably would want to go touch a six pack. Right. Oh, yeah. But I'll, I'll have to act cool. Like, we just can't do that, right? <laughs> like you said. And, like, especially in, it was, like, the earlier part of my pregnancy where I was, like, barely just starting to show and somebody came over and put their hand on my stomach and I'm like, that's just fat. Like, that is that no that's not even a baby that's not even a baby that is just fat <laughs> that's hilarious i hope you said that i did i said it out loud to her and she's like well i'm like yeah okay. baby is still low enough that you can't feel her go away i just uh, people crack me up oh they do i i, I can't even wrap my head around that you are I, better than the average person, Tim. Well, I I believe in personal space and recognizing other people's personal space. And I just, because I want my personal space. I think that's probably part of it. But you for know. some reason, when babies are involved, it doesn't matter if they are still in utero. People think that they have the right to touch them. Mm-hmm. Strangers. Perfectly. Just good. Just strangers. Feel that I way. remember when we had our, our oldest son, Parker, um, and when he was a baby, you know, we, we were taking him out and about. We had his hands and those little mitten things. You know, I remember people trying to take the mittens off so they could touch his hands. I'm like, why do you think we had the mittens on his hands in the first place? We didn't want 
you know, you diseased ridden people touching the child mm -hmm. who's going to take the hands and go straight to the mouth anyway, you know? So that's funny. Remember I, that. Anytime we took my daughter to the grocery store when she was little, she was in, I had an ergo carrier. So she was here because it was the, if somebody starts touching her, they're within punching distance. Like, mm -hmm. touch my kid. And she was born in September. She was born in the beginning of flu season. It's like, don't touch my child. Yeah. That's so nice that your baby sat in one of those things. I tried to put my daughter in it, and it was like a wrestling match. She oh, yeah, was she not a good like, <laughs> She just stuck. She was just like a little baby koala. Oh, she still that's is. so cute. At Sorry, 30 pounds, she me. still would be like here if I would let her. Oh, she's always going to be like you little. Yeah. Some kids are cuddlier than others. I love that. She's a snuggle bug. Well, if I encounter your daughter, I won't go up and snuggle her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, though, she will, after she, gets snow people, after she gets snow people, she is willing for hugs. Tim knows this. Once you break so down the barrier and you actually start talking to her, and then it's the, yeah. I love you. Yeah, first oh. visit, she was kind of like, you know, Danger who's stranger. the weird guy? And we've been, you know, Kathleen's husband and Kathleen and I have been friends for quite a few years. And, uh, you know, but, you know, she's well, two, almost three, and a year and a half of her life has been around uh, just mom and dad, you know, because of COVID, because of COVID and everything yeah. else. So the first visit around me is she's like, yeah, no, you're too big. You're too tall. Because um, I'm 6'3", you know, and I, you know, two of us, you know and I'm, I'm not exactly a thin mint, so I can be intimidating <laughs> to some small children. Um, but, you know, this past weekend we were together at, at a, uh, at a, a, a small comic-con here in michigan promoting this show and, and our other show funny science fiction and um she you know honor walks right in hi tim you know and she's like you know coming up giving me hugs and i'm like all right well i guess she's used to me so and it was funny too so we met three geeks there and i know that you were on the three geeks show and max from three geeks big dude yeah. ran into her she got a kneecap to the head and it's like oh gosh so then i need tim i'm like okay i'll take oh. you over to tim sounds <laughs> like a big teddy bear yeah it, I'm a big snuggle bug. this other big person scared me i'm gonna go to tim because tim makes me feel safe <laughs> that's really i'll cool. take it i'll take it she's a good kid yeah i like her so since we're talking about kids and, and everything else, that's actually kind of a, been a perfect segue to our last question for you for today. So one of the things that I loved about our conversation, I mentioned this in the outset, was our discussion of, about your book um, when you were on Focused on Forward. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that the, the, you know, what you're doing with that book and, and how it's designed to help parents get through, an, uh, you know, an issue that they maybe we're not exactly prepared for and and then you know coming through it that they're not exactly prepared for and so your book does does some very nice things to help uh people who are in that position um but so two things here i'm hoping that you'll take a, a couple moments to fill our audience in as to why you wrote the book but also uh and you can do a cliff notes version of that if you like uh and then of course let them know where they can find it so that they can if, if even if they it doesn't affect them personally, if there's somebody they know that's going through this with their children being in the uh, uh, the NICU, then maybe this is something that can help them. Uh, sure. I just to sum it up, I had two premature babies, one a 34 weeker and one a 30 weeker, and they're 20 months apart. 
So when I would try to make a baby book for them, when I, they were in the NICU, nothing matched with my daughter. And so I thought, you know what, these, I'm having to scratch things out in this baby book and make it relate to my premature child. So I came up with some poems and thought of uh, different little motivational sayings or whatever. And I had my brother-in-law who's a fantastic artist illustrate it. So we came up with The Littlest Peanut and it's a baby book that has all of their milestones that are specific to preemies while they're in the NICU. And I published that, I think it was in 2011. And yeah. I still, you can get my book on, you can get it through my website at thelittlestpeanut.com, but it sells on Amazon. And I still go back and read the reviews. People write the kindest things about the book. And it just, I always cry when I read them. And that you can kind of give back or help in any way. We donate a lot of the books to the NICUs. So um, I don't know. I'm just really grateful that I have that book. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't really know how to say. No, I think you're doing a great job. It's a really um, cool book. I was looking at it today. It's a really cool book. Yeah, it's it's um, it's wonderfully laid out. I think it's beautifully illustrated. Um, and and it, it has such a personal attachment to it. That you know, when you can see that the the love and the care that went into its presentation and how it's put together. So, um, and and you're right. If I think if you can get through the reviews on Amazon with a dry eye, I think you're a stronger stronger person than I. Because I, I didn't even make... go to the reviews. I just looked at the I looked at the Amazon book and the little snippet preview yeah. that you look at. If you go to the reviews, just make sure you have some tissue with you because you will need it. Uh, there's some very personal stories that are shared in there and how that book helped people out. Um, and so it, like the I said, Amazon description made me want to cry, though. I don't think. Yeah. It's, oh, so sweet. It's, it's a yeah. it's a very good book. And I encourage everyone to go to the littlestpeanut.com and you can check out her book there. And of course. There's always Amazon, but the littlestpeanut.com. Please go check out that book. I, I can't give it enough stars and thumbs up and all those Thank nice things. My nephew, so. my nephew was a, a NICU baby. He was only there for a week. Mm -hmm. But even that, I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Time you can't bring your baby home with you. And, and his then... his story is especially hard. He was a twin, and his mm. twin brother was born into hospice care because he had a congenital heart defect that we knew he was not going to survive so my sister-in-law got to bring home alex for two days and then henry didn't come home for another four and so she's her arms were completely empty for days oh, and it's like no mm -mm. couldn't do it yeah you think <laughs> that you're going to have this healthy pregnancy you really don't know until you have a premature baby or you find out how many things can go wrong they don't even have to be premature like you said the congenital heart disease and i saw that um in the nikki there were some babies that had that and with the twin or their triplets and then two don't make it and one does or I, it's just you can't even wrap your head around so many complicated how many complications yeah. can happen and i had i had a textbook pregnancy i had a beautiful healthy wonderful child i cannot imagine the the pain and the heartache of seeing your baby in the NICU and not being able to take them home with you. I know it's terrible. It, it is. It's very stressful. I mean, it's we had a traumatic birth, but that's a different story. <laughs> but the NICU so. nurses are fit. They're angels, and without them, you know, 
you wouldn't be able to get through the day without him. I know Tim, your wife's a NICU nurse, right? No, no, we have some friends are, but we are, we just stayed in the ICU long enough. Someone, it was another person that has a podcast. His wife's a neonatologist. I forget who oh, okay. it is. Not in Vegas. I was thinking, I was thinking that was you, but it's not. No, no, we just uh, we were just in the the ICU daughter. for um, yeah with my daughter. So, but uh, yeah, if you know uh, somebody who's a, a pediatric ICU nurse or a neonatal ICU nurse, please go give them a hug. They don't get enough of them. It's true. Uh, they are beautiful, wonderful, wonderful people uh, yeah. who have. Uh, a continuity about them that's much stronger than I would ever be able to. I, that's that's a job I can't even consider. Special even job. special people doing special work. Uh, so yeah, so go give them a hug. Uh, and if you want to find out more about Shannon's story, you can of course go to Focused on Forward, and you will find her with the episode entitled "The Littlest Peanut." Uh, it's pretty easy to find with Shannon Wilson. So, but you, yeah, please go a. check it out. What's that? I'm sorry. And with an A. That's yeah. right. Shannon with an A. So yeah. Shannon, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Where can our viewers and our listeners go to find more about your work and what you've got coming next? Oh, thanks for having me. First of all, um, they can go to my website, shannonwilson.com. And I post upcoming projects and things, my, any songs that I have coming up. And then you can follow me on Instagram at I am Shannon Wilson. Okay. I, I like Instagram. I like the positive posts. Instagram is fun. It's fun. It is. I love it. We will make sure that we link those. Thank you. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as a reminder for those who are are watching and listening, uh, that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help us ensure that we get more great guests like Shannon here today to have these great conversations with, to enjoy and share some laughs with. Uh, So please subscribe. It's going to help us uh, more than we can ever really tell you. And remember, kids, pop culture, it's all around you. It influences everything we do. It influences our decision making, even what we wear sometimes. It's a major part of our lives. So be sure to come back next week. We'll have your fix waiting right here for you. Thanks again, Shannon. Thanks, Shannon. This has been a lot of fun. All right, everybody. That's our show. Thanks for watching. Hey, thanks for listening to Pop Culture Addicts. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Pop Culture Addicts, you can reach us on either Instagram or Twitter by using the handle at PCA Pod Show. You can also email us at PCA Pod Show at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2021 Pop Culture Addicts. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of by Pop Culture Addicts or any of its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at pcapodshow at gmail.com. <laughs>